0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our OCO Roundtable podcast series, where we will continue with our discussion on carbon trading and entrepreneurship. My name is Cindy O'Raro, and I am once again delighted to be joined by Brian Yangena. In today's episode, we will focus on key considerations for investors looking into opportunities in carbon trading, as well as the integral role of technology, the gaps in the sector, and the emerging trends that one should look out for. Thank you, Nyangana, for being part of this episode. Your insights as an entrepreneur and thought leader in carbon trading, as well as blockchain technology, are invaluable. We are thrilled to engage in this conversation with you, Karibu Sana.
1: Thank you.
0: In the last episode, we talked about the legal and regulatory frameworks governing carbon trading in Kenya, and we touched as well on the international framework that is the basis for Kenya's legal and regulatory framework. So, what other factors do you think investors should consider when evaluating opportunities in carbon trading, particularly
1: in Africa? Before answering that, I will ask what's your consideration of investors? Do, do we have a lawful contest of Batum? Yes,
0: yeah, so I have in mind project developers. Yeah. I have in in mind carbon credit buyers, Mm -hmm. people who are looking for certain quality carbon credits.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So I will will approach this from, one, most of the capital that's being put into projects right now, coming to project developers, is mostly coming from international parties, right? And there's a perceived risk to projects within the global south. That's a given. So the things that I almost feel like investors should start having an idea of is, for instance, the challenge we had with our regulation, Most investors started becoming a bit apprehensive towards channeling capital. Here they were trying to say the environment is not quite conducive. Let's try and take a step back. But I almost want to look at it as in as much as things were not done well, this is a positive market signal for you guys that a government is actually sitting down and trying to proactively create frameworks that will support attracting financing to the project. So as investors, try take this as a positive step. Like, yes, there are mishaps that will happen along the way, but the goal towards what we are trying to achieve, at least you have a couple of governments within the continent that are trying to do that. So try get into the space and put your voice out there. Secondly, my, which is a bigger thing that I'm trying to push is for local financial institutions to start taking a proactive role at supporting carbon. I think increasingly we need to start looking at the carbon conversation and especially I will speak more towards banks, carbon should be considered as an asset. Look at it as an asset class, the same way you look at bonds, stocks, etc. Then understand the risks associated with it. A lot of the players from the West have taken a proactive role of creating risk and mitigation frameworks as to how they channel their finance to projects so that they're able to have a good understanding of what's the risk profile of a project that you're trying to look at. I think we should take a more proactive approach locally and within the continent to try and get our financial institutions to look at it in that way and almost figure out how then do we support it? How do we price this risk? How then do we channel financing? Because agriculture, I think, is a bedrock of our GDP, for instance. And a lot of farming practices are eligible for carbon credits. And if you support some of these farmers, for instance, to try and adopt these farming practices that make them eligible for carbon, will require an extra credit. It's part of the thing that they're doing. So if you look at it quite well, then having access to that capital locally Forms a very good basis because I will tell you, we as Vascarbon are supporting, I think, around 11 or so projects right now. And getting access to capital is is a challenge. You have to jump through hoops. There's a project we've been in discussion back and forth with investors because of perceived risks, right? So small things gets them a bit apprehensive. We, from the local context, understand that those are things that are not that much of a risk as you're perceiving them to be. But if a local player was in the space and will understand what this is and they had clear frameworks that are almost attuned to our local setting, they will put in money around here. And it is a viable business. Like a lot of people are making money. Even forget about the social benefits and the climate benefits of these projects. If you want to look at it as a capitalist, there is a case to be made for carbon as an asset. So the sooner banks understand this or other financial institutions, the better it will be. It will push us a step forward towards being able to support projects like this. And so those investors... That would be my plea mostly, to just sort of, let's take a step towards understanding this piece. It is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I know that. And even if you saw during SES, there were a lot of ad- advocacy groups that were against this, and they were looking at carbon markets as a license to Western players to continue polluting. My take of it is, there's money on the table. It's much needed climate finance. We can tap into it. We have people willing to put in the needed capital support initiatives like this. So how about we take them? try to create the right frameworks. Then we don't have to depend on a government that is very thinly stretched at the budget level to support some of these climate-positive initiatives. We can have an actual sustainable framework that then takes it forward. Are there challenges? Yes. Are there a way we can sort of mitigate them and improve upon them? Yes. But it has to then be a discussion where we are sitting down and you're coming from an informed place where you're saying, I understand this is what the advantage is and the limitation comes till this point. So let's try to solve these challenges to push the needle forward and create these solutions to have an African context. Because majority of the criticism that has been levied to carbon markets is that it's not attuned to our local context. So how about we figure out, sit down, work together, leverage all the ecosystem players that are in place and come with a clear framework of how it will actually support us. And I think investors will start feeling comfortable, banks will start feeling comfortable putting in capital and then we are moving that much closer to our goal of adaptation and education. I know I've gone into a very deep rant around, around that is something I'm very passionate about. And I almost feel like it's a very much needed action for us as local players to start looking at how do we become part of this solution.
0: No, you raise a very valid point. And actually, I want to delve a bit further into that. Uh, you mentioned that obviously there's a need to bridge that knowledge gap, a need for capacity building and a need for the finance to actually develop some of these projects that can enable us sell carbon credits. But a lot is pledged every year at COP and at ACS and ACW, a lot was pledged. So to what extent do you think it's the responsibility of the private sector within our own countries in Africa to address some of these challenges? As you mentioned, one of them, banking and, and finance. And what, where does the global ecosystem, particularly of developed countries, where do they come in to help us bridge some of these gaps?
1: I would like to give credit where it's due. So I feel like some of the private sector players, international private sector players have taken a very proactive role at trying to spark where the market should go. So I would give them props. A lot of them are in the space and are trying to work with different stakeholders at doing this. But for me, it all boils down to an information gap. And if you can allow me to also give my thoughts on, you had asked me earlier on, what can technology do around this? When this the Nairobi Declaration was done at SES, a lot of private sector commitments came into play you're having a couple of players saying UAE, for example, pledged $450 million to support projects such as this. Among many other players, there was a private sector association or something, the one that was being led by Dr. James Mwangi from Equity. And I almost feel like the challenge here is this. There's a time I was in one of the conferences and I was talking to a couple of investors who were looking at bringing in finance. And the challenge they had was that we're interested in putting capital in this space. I've made commitments, but I need a pipeline of projects that I need to put this money to. And then probably they have their conditions as well. I will be comfortable putting capital in a project if it meets condition one, two, three. That's a challenge that I will speak more about what I am trying to do with Vast carbon. We saw it as a very clear challenge that needed to be solved. And we thought, how about we create a framework that will bring in all these different players together into one place so that as an investor, if I'm looking at coming into the space, I am then able to know that I have a project. I will come look at it, figure out what challenges it has. Does it meet my investment criteria? Yes. If not, I can be able to give feedback to the project and tell them, we are interested in looking at it in this and this manner. These are the things that we look for in terms of SDG adjacents for the projects. And then as an investor, then or even a, a project developer, I then know that if I do a project in accordance to these frameworks, there is capital somewhere that will be willing to come into a project. Right now, there's that You're making a commitment. Your people who are running projects, there's not an environment that supports how those two should be able to interact in a clear way. And that's why I feel the role of technology comes in, where you're creating a very clear information hub or like a central place that solidifies all this information into one space so that perceived risk for investors are very well elevated. Project developers understand what it is that they need to be able to do. We've gotten a lot of queries ourselves from players who are saying, I've heard about this carbon thing and I don't know how to start around that. If you're having a central place that helps them understand how to get into this space, then I almost feel like all these pieces start coming in together. There's this entire revolution on AI, and there's something we're trying to work right now to take all this information that's out there and present it in such a way that governments can be able to make data-driven solutions. Investors can be able to make data-driven solutions so that you're saying I have this capital, this is how I'll deploy it, these are the frameworks that exist. And then you're creating sort of a hub that spurs up the entire ecosystem together. So the government and even private sector players can do a lot towards creating a framework that supports entrepreneurs who will come up with this innovative solution to bridge this gap, because the gap does exist. There's only so much regulation can do and policy and frameworks, but there's a lot of innovation at the space that then needs to be able to solve some of these challenges, and they're not enough of us. like Vascarbon is only trying to sort one part of a puzzle. We need a lot more players who will come in and collectively bridge that gap so that then everything starts flowing together. So as a private sector, try find better ways of putting capital to where it's needed in innovation specifically and supporting entrepreneurship within the space. And there are people who are doing that, but a lot more can be done.
0: So Nyangene, you've led us into a very important uh, topic, which is the trends and developments that you foresee in this field going forward. What do you anticipate as the most significant trends or developments in the carbon trading field in the coming years?
1: Okay, I will go into an area that is less chatted into. It's based on my background. So initially when getting into this space as fast carbon, and as you can see, my space in my PhD was on the role blockchain can play towards solving some of these challenges. And I want to look at two innovative trends that are being used around this. I will talk about blockchain and AI. And I'm telling you this in case I go into a tangent, you remind me that I wanted to talk about those two things. So one, you've seen a lot of criticism come to the carbon market space, all these articles by The Guardian trying to sh- shed light on the workings of carbon markets and what can be done better. But there's another unspoken thing, which is at the heart of most projects are the communities involved around this. And this benefit sharing mechanism, it, it's not talked about a lot, but it is a problem in this space. So there's a lot of opacity on from when the project is running. How do you engage stakeholders when you're doing your monitoring, reporting and verification? How do you avoid something called over-crediting? which is issuing a lot more credits and the project is actually sequestering. And then moving forward, a lot more challenges are coming in. And I almost feel integrity. So there are players in the space, one being Integrity Council for Voluntary Carbon Markets and Voluntary Carbon Markets Initiative, I think, VCMI and i c v c m Those are two organizations that are trying to come up with clear frameworks as to how you enhance integrity within this space. But I almost feel like they are still at the higher level. So the role I'm seeing in the coming years Uh, technology and specifically blockchain will play is that within the technology itself there is an inherent characteristic of it being able to promote transparency the immutability of the technology as it is offers a lot of things are we where we're supposed to be no that much i totally understand but i almost feel like there's a lot that can be done and i actually upload some of the efforts we tried getting into the space a lot and i remember it was a very unpopular opinion when i was coming up where people were saying the carbon market is already complex as it is There's no need introducing another complex uh, ecosystem to support that. But I almost feel like the elements around the carbon market space that could really benefit from what blockchain can do. And the World Bank is one organization that has tried to show what that can be. For the listeners, they can try and do a bit more research on that. But there's an initiative called the Climate Warehouse Initiative. The overarching objective of it is you're having all these different players, Vera, Gold Standard, Plan Vivo, which are the registries. You're having all, all these different ecosystem or carbon trading platforms, ourselves, many other country level platforms, and all these other ecosystem players that are almost working in a disjointed nature. And if I'm issuing carbon credits under one registry as Vera, for instance, how do you stop another person? There's this thing called double county. Yes. So, how, how then do you stop elements like this? So, their premise is that if we create one overarching ecosystem, That then creates transparency and makes it easy for you to be interdependent, like a common place where you can come and look at a project and get all the information, the it's called the metadata. Metadata attached to the project, you can see who the proponents were, how the revenues flew, who the ecosystem players are. If you've registered in one registry, you can be able to see what that is. You're encouraging multi-stakeholder engagement within one framework, so a person from Vera can be able to get a carbon credit from a Vera registry and trade it within gold standard frameworks. The same way you've seen most of these voluntary carbon market registries adopting the CDM framework. Like the UNFCCC is the one that came up with the CDM framework. And then most of the people are borrowing from the methodologies around that. So I almost feel like in the coming years, you're going to see a lot being done by blockchain to enhance this challenge of transparency and integrity of the market. And that will then instill confidence in investors, in different ecosystem players. It will require a lot of players to sort of simplify that complexity. And that's why I feel like innovation comes in for entrepreneurs. So there are these gaps. I will give a shout out to a a company that's doing remittances within the country called Kotani P. Remittance is a very key challenge when someone is sending money from you from the U.S. to come here. There's a very long lag time, three to sometimes five days for your money to come in. So what they've done is they've taken blockchain and made it to be USSD. So a person at the grassroots level, you don't need internet. You actually have a wallet. You can do an USSD code and money can be sent to you and you can withdraw it. On your phone. So, innovation such as that, you can imagine that's one key innovative player who's solving the problem of blockchain can be complicated, but they've created a solution that then fits the need within the continent. The other players will create solutions to make sure that that works really well at a government level. How do you create a, a registry for Kenya, for instance, that interlinks really well with something like the climate warehouse? How do you make the interdependency between different countries, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, if you're trading carbon credits, both at a government level and at a voluntary carbon level? How do you make that very seamless? There's an infrastructure layer that has to be created, an opportunity. How do you capacity build people? How do you make it easier for this information to be consumed? Opportunity. The next area is what AI has done. Earlier on, we were talking about the need for capacity building for people to understand what this has been. I don't know about you, but GPT has been a savior in most of the things I do at a personal level has made it to shout out to the team from OpenAI. So, And the good thing around it is that they're creating frameworks that then support the dissemination of this information. So one interesting thing we're doing, if you come to our our platform, we've created what we're calling a carbon body, Vasti. The thing that it's able to do for you is we've collected all this information on carbon markets and trained the model on that specifically so that you can come in and ask it custom questions on things that you want to learn. I am Cindy, I own 10 acres of land in this and this area, and I'm looking at carbon credits. First of all, explain to me what carbon credits are. It does that for you. Okay, now that I have 10 acres, what are the options available for me? It can tell you you do one, two, three. Then if I want to move forward, what am I supposed to do? You need to prepare one, two, three, four, five. If you need any help, these are the ecosystem players in the system. Reach out to so-and-so. they support supporting this and this. So it's almost as if you're having a body that can do that for you. So if you're looking at it from an individual level or The grassroots level, you're having a system of being able to leverage these ecosystems that you're seeing, helping us on other areas of our lives, and bring it to carbon setup. So that capacity building is a very expensive initiative. So if you're creating a framework that then supports that, it makes it very easy for you to do that. You're in the legal space and you saw this thing, Wakili, that made rounds here locally. That's an AI-assisted lawyer to help you understand things. So I almost feel like AI has become a very key generational innovation that will support areas like this, and it then offers that space for people to come in at a government level then. All this information that's out there, you have to hire consultants, you have to do a lot of work to bring it all together, collate it in the right way, draw insights out of it to help you then make decisions. But you can leverage AI to do that. You create crawlers, go to the internet, give it the right words, they will get you all those documents, all those frameworks, put it into one central repository, do the same thing we did, train something, it gives you, one, the potential that you can get as a government. What is possible? How do we start? Who are the people who've done this? What are the best practices? How can we then start taking it forward? Then you're making it very easy for governments to start making data-driven solutions. That, again, offers a lot of opportunity for innovation. And young people, entrepreneurs can get into that space. Opportunities are limitless. Like If you go into research, you can find a lot of areas that you can get into. And shout out to some of the other players who've started figuring out this carbon space can actually use these key innovations that are coming to space. So from my end, because those are my expertise, I will say the role technology through AI and blockchain can play into the space is something that in the coming years, a lot of people are not talking about it because it's that unpopular information and people are not very comfortable talking about it. But over time, when people start understanding, you almost find yourself, it will be too late if you're a young person trying to get in two years from now and everybody has figured out all those gaps will have already been filled by different players. So the time to get in is now and help bridge that gap because that is the opportunity. We're going to go to where we're supposed to. At least there's enough interest from all these different players. So you figure out your niche, cover out your niche and help clear that gap. Those are the two things I will say. I'd want to throw one for you, though. Go ahead. What do you think, especially coming from the legal side, what do you think in the coming years the opportunity is to leverage tech and your expertise within the legal framework? To support this conversation to move forward?
0: Well, in my experience advising on carbon trading projects, I understand that investors are interested in projects that are not just Kenya-specific, but are also Africa-wide. They are interested in projects that span various jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. And in my view, it presented an opportunity for African governments to come together and standardize regulation across their different countries so that an, an investor looking to establish, for example, a project that spans Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, yeah. Rwanda, Malawi can be subject to similar sets of rules and regulations that make compliance easy because, you know, compliance also has a cost. Uh-huh. And then the second is you touched on it. So Article 6 of the Paris Agreement is very ambitious, although for a long time many people did not understand. Yeah. What it aims to achieve and how it aims to achieve it. So it was very prospective. Uh-huh. And obviously, the rules are being developed as we go along. But as you mentioned, there's a need for our national carbon re- registries to be backed by blockchain or other types of sophisticated technology. The only problem is that comes at a cost. Yes, it does. And many African governments cannot bear that cost for now. I understand that. DFCs like the World Bank are offering an alternative, but uh, that's temporary. So the issue of funding the structure that we need in place to actually catalyze the growth of the sectors is it's a big deal.
1: I'm quite aware to the challenges around that, especially being compliant. And the issue you talked about, investors having a clear framework across jurisdictions to make it easy on a compliance level for them to run projects across many countries. Being able to attract that capital is a bit of a challenge. And what I've seen is, at certain times, you're having some of these DFI organizations like World Bank, UNDP are very key on this space. You're having GIZ as well, Rockefeller Foundation, IKEA Foundation, ETC. Some of these times, I have not solved, I don't have a solution for it, but I almost feel like sometimes these efforts are not coordinated. So like World Bank is doing something here, that UNDP is doing something on this other side, or GIZ, and because of large nature of those organizations, just being able to streamline and figure out collectively maybe we should collaborate in doing things like this so that that funding can be channeled to creating infrastructures like that will be a needed thing. How we solve it? I have no idea. Maybe that's most of the listeners can come into the conversation around that, but I feel like it is a very much needed conversation because that infrastructure and that capacity building and all those other ecosystem things that need to be done also require funding outside the carbon project development. That funding most likely would come from DFI organizations or, that would be actually be my push, if you figure out a way of bringing in the private sector so that you have a sustainable model around it, but also being cognizant of a social good that those ecosystems should be able to serve for the community. That nexus is a, is a challenging pattern. I'd be curious to see how people solve around that, but it is another gap that, again, in innovation is needed towards how to solve that.
0: Yeah, so Nyangena, as you mentioned, what can be done to address some of these gaps and particularly in collaboration? In my view, here in Africa, we can leverage on platforms like the Africa Climate Summit and Africa Climate Week mm-hmm. to bring together the different stakeholders and governments and hopefully focus all parties on how best we can collaborate to grow the market. And I believe there are certain private initiatives that are already seeking to do this. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we, as we come to a close, what would be your parting shot, your crystal ball? You've talked about what you anticipate, but what would you want to see at present?
1: That's a very interesting question. I'm trying to think around that in terms of a crystal ball. There's a lot I want to see. I'm almost trying to figure out what do I need to prioritize down that list. I'll just say one. For me, the, the biggest problem that we have in this space is capacity building. We need to get people to come from an informed point of view. Once you have that and you have community buying everything, then starts flowing from that point. So what I would ideally want to see is government and private sector taking a more targeted approach towards getting everyone to where they need to be. What I would want to see is the right frameworks, especially for benefit-sharing mechanism. That's a space we as VAS have tried coming into and we're trying to figure out for everyone who's looking for us to unlock Africa's potential, a lot of those projects are not online yet. Just to be frank, we contribute... As of the last time, I checked 10% of carbon credit generation within the continent. And a couple of African countries are taking a significant share. I know Kenya is taking like a quarter of all the carbon credits coming out of a continent, for instance. So there's a lot that can be done around that. But those frameworks that will support benefit sharing, I would say if that's the thing that needs to be prioritized. And before all the stakeholders understand what it needs to be for that to thrive, you need to upskill them. And that's what we're trying to do. Hopefully I see a lot more players doing that. And then we we see where the space will be a year or two from now. And I just want to see action. Like okay. that would be my call. Like uh, for all the decision makers, can we just try to take a bottom-up approach? Let's just not talk a lot on all the bigger things. Identify projects that are on the ground that need support. Start prioritizing pilots that you draw linings from, and then you improve upon them. Those are the things you then present in COP as opposed to saying, let's get all these things at the top right fast before continuing. That to me is the broader call to the to the market, if I can say so.
0: So Nyangena, we started off by touching up on your journey with Vast Carbon. Mm-hmm. Please tell us how you see things for Vast Carbon going forward and a little bit about your team.
1: Okay, thank you. The natural of what we do at Vast Carbon is we are tech enabler for players in the carbon space and we try working that journey with them from ideation all the way till you get to your carbon creditations. Just to talk a bit about our journey initially when starting out, we were very ambitious, a group of young individuals who wanted to solve most of these problems that we saw in the carbon market space. But increasingly we just found out there was a lot of problems. There's only so much you can do. You need to pick out your niche and start working around that. And for us, that came two pronged. One, how do we leverage technology? Most of our team has a bit of a tech background. So half our team is tech. The other half is on the science on the carbon market space. So trying to figure out how do we understand what our problems are? How do you talk to the community and how do you create a solution that can then address challenges around that? One key thing that I'm very proud of is in the course of you doing your project development, you need to come up with a document called the Project Design Document, a PDD. That's like the Bible of your project that the registry then takes. What we've managed to do is leverage these innovative solutions I was telling you about AI, where you've trained a model on all different PDDs so that There's a structure to some of these things, like legal contracts. There's a way things usually go with small changes. So we've managed to capture that and reduce the cost 90% for you to be able to develop that document. So it only needs a very small input from a consultant who will normally have charged you 30, 40 hours to develop the document. Now it's only charging you five to seven hours to look through the output of what you've done. So that, among many other interesting things, are what we're doing. Growing up in my entrepreneurship journey, the thing that I really appreciated was I got into the energy space without being conversant in that. Like in 2020 was the first time I was getting, I didn't even know the difference between a kilowatt and a kilowatt hour, for instance. (laughs) And someone gave me an opportunity, an organization gave me an opportunity to learn on the job and just be able to do that. So how I've looked at my team and how I recruit my team is I prioritize passion and curiosity over experience. So yes, most of my team, I think the average age of my team is 25. So it's not a team that. Under the normal traditional setup, uh, an investor will look at and say, then, I'm comfortable with this thing. So I remember having conversations with an investor where I was telling them I need capital to sort of take my company forward. And that became a very key challenge for them, where they were like, your team, we're not sure yet about them. They're not too untested. You're also a local company. You don't have previous success stories as an investor. So I just decided I would take a risk on my own company, put up the capital. It's been a year. The things we've done, since I put up my capital, i just say beginning of a year, I'm going to take a risk on my own business. Let's see how this goes. At the end of a the year, then I'll start considering attracting financing. And what my team has done is absolutely incredible. I couldn't be more proud of having a team like that. I think we've grown from a team of three people to now 12. That's great. If you go to the industry, you talk about, us. I think a lot of people in this space will say we are among the f- pure local company in this space that actually knows what they're doing. We've managed to get, as I told you earlier, 12 projects that we were working alongside, trying to help them. And then the need that came up that has now again become our business model that we had not anticipated was on capacity building a lot, especially for local companies. Going through SES, we figured out that we thought the problem was big, but not as big as we saw after having an exhibition at ACS. So we've now have an advisory layer around that, and we've, over the last two or three months, done a lot of advisory roles for a lot of corporates, due diligence for investors who are looking to come to this space and put carbon money into their project. So I would say where we're looking to be into the year, I want to be, let me use a context specific example. I want to be the African South Pole of this space. South Pole are the guys who are very well known around the carbon market space. So for me, I want vast carbon to be of equal standing as South Pole. And I'll be able to come and see when I'm walking around the street, someone will say, why not for you guys? I would not have done X, Y, Z. You've really helped my kids go to school. You've really helped us get to a certain point where we had not yet gotten. That to me would be the highlight, just being able to see the impact of the work we are doing on the actual community. And then if I have a global presence, even better. But even within the country, there's even such charity at home, I'll be very happy if we we're able to do that.
0: Oh, well, that's fantastic. Um, shout out to Vice Carbon, Kenyan-founded, Kenyan-run company that is doing great things in the carbon trading sphere. Leveraging on technology mm-hmm. to address various bottlenecks. Yes, indeed. And also, your addressing of key issues that affect not just your company, but the industry as a whole, including benefit sharing yes. amongst others.
1: You can find us on our website, vastcarbon, V E R S T, and on our socials as well, just Vascarbon, you should be able to find us.
0: Dear listeners, Brian Yangana is indeed a thought leader in this field and during this episode, we have addressed some of the salient bits of the carbon trading ecosystem that must be addressed in order for it to have growth. Brian, Asantisana.
1: Thank you as well, Cindy. was happy to be here.
0: It was a pleasure hosting you. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please feel free to reach us on any of our social media handles. Until then, see you and happy carbon trading for those who can.